This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. I grew up in, in Southern Missouri, and I was raised Baptist. I was raised outside of the church, and when I was around 15 years old, the um, the missionaries found me and met with me, and they gave me this book, the Book of Mormon. That night, they asked me if I would read and, and pray about the Book of Mormon and the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. I ended up doing that, and growing up, I um, never really had spiritual experiences, and I didn't really have vivid dreams or anything like that. I never remembered my dreams, but that night I ended up having a dream that I still remember quite vividly to this day in which my my best friend at the time in high school came to me and told me that I would join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints wow. and that I would serve a mission for the Lord. That kind of laid the path i i ended up waking up and i believe i had like an ipod touch at the time and recorded a little voice memo that i still have this day through my my headphones and and that laid the path for for a journey into the church and coming to know the savior i ended up getting very deep into the church very quickly when i was 16, 17, 18, with kind of a, a, a wish or an agreement with my Heavenly Father that if I went deeper into the church, I thought that I would be blessed with being straight. I had felt uh, attractions to the same gender as early as I could remember, and that was kind of at the pinnacle and and at the center of my my conversion into the church as well as my commitment to Christ was that I would have what I viewed to be a curse my entire life that very much tormented me that it would be removed if I if I got baptized it it didn't go away, but I continued to meet with church leaders and, and kind of was not directly told, but it was alluded throughout my time in the church that just go a little bit deeper, just go a little bit further, commit yourself further and, and more to Christ and, and this curse will be taken away from you. That That led to me getting... Uh, working to get the priesthood and going on temple trips. And I went to uh, Brigham Young University uh, right after I, I graduated high school, eventually got my endowments, went on a mission in East Los Angeles. It, that wasn't the mission, but that was kind of my area was, was East Los Angeles, Spanish speaking. I was kind of given false hope. I don't blame anyone for giving me that false hope. I did make wonderful connections along the way and growth and, and knowledge. But this was still something that, that very much was conflicting for me, having attractions to the same gender, 
and reconciling my place in the gospel, the plan of salvation, and uh, definitely temples and the eternities. Unfortunately, throughout my mission, and especially after my mission, once I um, was a student at Brigham Young University in Utah, I faced a lot of trauma and difficult times that were dealt by those that I was taught and believed to be my my brothers and sisters in both the church and the eternities. I experienced a lot of trauma from missionaries, um, companions, church leaders. This continued even more so after my mission at Brigham Young University from both local leaders and all the way up to regional, national leaders in the church and not directly towards myself, but policies coming out in, in 2015 that affected a great number of people worldwide and and caused many to to question what was happening in the church because of all this trauma that I that I went through out in Utah I was so alone while out there I didn't have any family living out there I didn't really have any friends at least not in Utah because of some things that I went through on my mission that just led to so much anxiety and depression, situational anxiety and de depression. I, I came home early from my mission, went back out on my mission, returned to my mission, and then came home early and, and finally again. So m most of my friends were either not members, or if they were members, they were still on their missions. All of this kind of came to a a screeching halt in my life and just had built to an insurmountable level in 2015 when I was living in Utah. I had pretty much made all the arrangements and I felt like I was left with only two options in life and that was to either leave the church or to leave life completely and eventually I had made every last plan and detail to end my life in in 2015 while living at, at BYU. I was bound to determine that it was going to happen. And the only reason why I'm here today is because my, my Heavenly Father blessed me to have the very best earthly father that anyone could ever have. Of all the people I've met in my life, I'm all over the world. Never met anyone quite like my dad. He saved me, though not physically there. He he saved me from what was already set in motion. I just don't even know how to repay him in this life. But I, I'm extremely grateful for him in my life. We, we talk about in the church about how God puts certain people in our lives and, and in our paths um, at certain times. And 
that is one that is blatantly obvious and you know from what we're taught in the gospel that and most most christian faiths believe that we are all children of god and literal brothers and sisters but we we emphasize that to another level within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I feel like my connection with my brother that so happens to be my dad in, in this life was very much um, foreordained and and planned. I, I ended up stepping away from that fork in the road of leaving the church or, or leaving life. I was able to pick the option that I, I feel was of greatest importance at the time and now in retrospect uh, I'm grateful for it I I chose to step away from the church in late 2015 November December 2015 and and then formally had myself removed from the church and in 2016 I moved from Utah back to my home state of Missouri I had known for years that I, I wanted to be a dentist. The only dental school in Missouri at the time was in Kansas City. So I, in 2016, moved from Provo, Utah to Kansas City to kind of make friends and kind of start a new life and prepare to apply for dental school and then eventually uh, go to dental school. I would say that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. I'm so grateful for those that supported me in my decision to to leave Utah for years. The, the goal was to be in Utah, to be surrounded by what I thought was Zion. But I I had such a weight lifted off of me when I moved to Kansas City. And life has honestly been been great for the past seven or eight years of my life it's been awesome i i moved to kansas city i had just one success after another of academic success and and just thriving like i was used to in the past before hurdles and distractions were in my place i made just so many friends I had been social growing up and felt like I had suppressed that for a few years and I felt like this was kind of a new lease on life and I got into a bunch of hobbies but one in particular I started skydiving and met this incredible community I got good at it and and it took me all over the world to countries and and cultures that I would have never experienced and I've just had so much happiness and looking back now see that that God was still in my life that he was still there and and giving me the time that I needed to to kind of figure myself out and I'm grateful for for their patience and and the patience of so many around me I ended up getting into dental school working and hard and and applying and though I am very ready to be done with schooling I'll graduate and be a dentist in uh, in a matter of a, a few months I love dentistry I love helping people and 
bringing a smile to people's faces. And I feel like I have the best of both worlds that I can practice dentistry and be able to sustain myself outside of my career. Most certainly the the last few years have, have been wonderful and I've had successes, I, but I've also, life has happened. I've, it hasn't gone unblemished. I have had health problems and I ended up having a, a skydiving accident in 2021. And it was, Why? I've been jumping more about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was skydiving in April of 2021 and I'd been jumping for, for 10 years since I was 18. Um, it was my 625th skydive. I was just kind of in a bad headspace at the time. My mind wasn't clear. I was um, jumping with friends and it was an awesome day, a perfect day weather-wise. Um, there's like this kind of fence um, that separates spectators from the landing area. I was on track to clear it and to glide over it and have a feather touch landing and have many more jumps that day. But I don't know if I was just in the wrong headspace or what. I saw this fence and I got kind of fixated on it. And I did the opposite of what I was trained to do, what I knew to do, which is to break my parachute and um, slow my parachute down and to to glide over it. I kind of reacted. I threw my hands up, um, which kind of intentionally causes your parachute to go into like a performance dive. And that's what happened. I dove to the ground. I cleared this like steel T-post by like an inch. Otherwise it would have probably cut me in half and hit the ground extremely hard broke my leg <sighs> um i broke a, a vertebrae or two in my in my back i wasn't airlifted off the landing area but i took an ambulance and then i was airlifted later that day to a hospital and oh my gosh had surgery on my leg and all this was happening at the same time as some other things in life and all said and done, I was recovering for some time and I was uh, delayed in dental school. And now since returned, I was out of the dental school for, for a year. I've since returned and 100% now, I honestly forget a lot of times that it happened. Um, I forget what leg it was that I, I broke. I see the Lord's hand in the situation and I'm grateful that I was able to make a, a full recovery and have some great surgeons and as well as support from family and friends. And, but as a result of this skydiving accident and delays in life, it's kind of set in motion things I wasn't seeing coming because I was delayed graduating, my good friends ended up graduating, becoming dentists and moving all over the country. And I was kind of, again, in a city without knowing many people. I, I wasn't skydiving anymore, so I was kind of removed from that community. I, I did go back a, a few times 
and skydive just to kind of mentally conquer it. Originally, right after the accident, as I'm laying in the field in the following weeks and months as I was recovering, I was actually, I love skydiving so much and just like aviation in general. Uh, during COVID, I ended up getting my my private pilot's license while everything was shut down and I, I couldn't go to the dental school. It was shut down and definitely, um, to be honest, most people think it's an adrenaline rush or something. I'm an adrenaline junkie, but when I'm up there and I'm jumping, it's just me and the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. And the cares of the world and everything on the ground just fade away. After my accident, I was planning to actually go right back to it, full force, full steam ahead. I had friends that had accidents 30 years ago and hadn't sprained an ankle since over thousands of jumps. And I had friends that had jumped for decades and never had a scratch. So um, that's kind of what I told myself was, okay, this was a one-time thing. I'm going to learn from it and we're going to get back up and, and do it. After kind of evaluating life and what having another accident could mean in the future to just like my my career and my ability to use my honed in skills. I've I've gone to school for 10 years for one thing and one thing that is hard to apply to any other aspect or career if needed. So I decided that I was going to go back a couple of times and kind of mentally conquer it and just so I could know, okay, like I can do this, but I'm still putting it on the shelf, like, and I'm closing this chapter, but, but I finished it and it wasn't finished for me. I'm, I'm glad I, I did that. But as a result of the delay, I was in this new cohort of a new dental school class and to kind of make connections and to get to know people, someone in my class invited me to their non-denominational Bible study. And I, not knowing anyone said, yes, like I'll, I'll come. After a couple of months of us meeting, we ended up changing the day we met and then we couldn't use the non-denominational church that we were using. And someone asked, can we have it at anyone's house? And I volunteered my home to kind of host this Bible study um, for our men's dental school group. I hadn't read the scriptures in, in years from 2015 until 2022. So seven years, me getting back into first the Bible and feeling the spirit was was powerful for me. I started remembering remembering the scriptures and 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 God's love and feeling the spirit and just a sense of peace. I, I didn't feel like I had hit rock bottom or my life was difficult. Like I had hit somewhat of a bottom after my skydiving accident and, and wondering okay, am I, am I going to be able to return to dental school? Like, is, am I going to have to completely refigure out life? I, I still had a comfortable life. It was feeling God's love and, 
an acceptance and patience that helped me feel comfortable talking to him and and not feeling like I wasn't his anymore. I wasn't welcome. I haven't stayed in contact with a ton of people from the church, but I have stayed in contact with one in particular, my friend Michael. Him and I went to met at EFY when he was like 16, I was 17. And through it all, through my mission and his mission and BYU and me leaving the church and dating my my ex-boyfriend and, and such, him and I have stayed very close. And I kind of reached out to him in, in February of this year and told him that I had been having a Bible study at my house and I was reading the Book of Mormon and I wasn't going to commit to anything but that I wanted to travel out to where he lives now in Utah just to kind of meet and feel something. And that was kind of the preface to me visiting in February. I wasn't going to Utah for answers. I was going to him to have a conversation. And he just so happened to be in Utah. We had some long conversations in private and, and I, I pretty much just laid it all out on the table of my concerns and the pain that I still had from the actions of missionaries and companions and church leaders. And it was very raw and vulnerable. I felt a weight lifted off of me. So that was in February of this year, 2023. And now it's August 2nd. So uh, just a few months ago, I came back to Missouri. One family in particular that has kind of taken me in as their own in Kansas City is the Hershey family. I knew their son, Jake, years ago while at BYU. We served our missions around the same time. We were both pre-dental and applied to dental schools at the same time, had our interviews. And when I moved to Kansas City, I, I told him I was I was leaving the church, but he still told me, hey, my parents and my family live in Kansas City. His older sister, Kylie, had already moved away from the Missouri, Kansas area, but his brother, Ben, and, and Megan lived in Kansas City. And he told me, it just hit my, my family up and they'll invite you over to dinner one Sunday. Well, that one Sunday kind of turned into me being at their house almost every Sunday of undergrad and doing my laundry at their house during They're the week. They're the best. They're just they the are best awesome. family. Yeah, I, I owe them so much because over the years, they've They've had the missionaries over for Sunday dinners and and this and that, but they've never pushed the church on me. And they've also never over the years pride as to why they knew that I had been a member. I don't even know if for quite some time they knew that I had formally left the church, but they would casually invite me to church every now and then. They'd have this wonderful family, the Ibas over quite a bit that I've become close with and but I didn't feel pressured and I didn't 
feel interrogated for what had happened to cause me to leave the church. And it's just kind of come naturally over the years. I've become wonderful friends. What started with me being friends with Jake, I've become wonderful friends with Kylie and Megan and, and Ben. And it's we need to have been, Megan on the podcast uh, too. We do. Yes. She <laughs> is amazing. I love Megan so much. And Megan's Kylie's a little bit older than me. Megan's like more around my age, but I was kind of there while Megan was living her life. And, but yeah, she definitely needs to be on the podcast. I could totally see her being willing to do that too. But yeah, I would just say that like families like that, like the Hershey's allies, I, I can't speak highly enough of the importance of of allies and people, um, especially LGBTQ individuals and LGBTQ youth in the church for them having allies in their circle and for individuals that love them and love all of God's children to vocally show that and display that if if people aren't vocal about it then others don't know that they're a safe place and and you can be an ally to anyone just not just lgbtq but just being a loving person to any and all so yeah i ended up in like february meeting with missionaries and i just had one spiritual experience after another some of them were were very subtle, you know, small whisperings of the spirit. I have had some very profound and noticeable ones. What kind of started all of this years ago was me having, to my memory, the first dream that I can recall in my life and it being miraculous and and vivid and just so tangible since February, I like I've had similar experiences, just confirmations from the Savior that that I'm important and that I matter. I have had my my testimony and my faith strengthened so much. I always felt like I had a strong testimony on my mission uh, and served a worthy mission. And and while I was at BYU, the same, trying to become a temple worker and such. But my my faith and my testimony now is leaps and bounds higher and stronger than the highest it was before I left the church. And just in a matter of a, a couple of months what initially kind of hurt my faith along this journey has ended up becoming a huge blessing. There was going to be a fireside, an LGBTQ fireside in the greater Kansas City area. For one reason or another, it it was canceled. This really affected me. I felt like leading up to it, okay, the church is made you know, wonderful strides since my leaving, this and that. Okay, this is finally a place that I can be welcome. I feel welcomed by this family, the Hershey's, and um, another family, the Iba, as I feel welcomed by my church, my local church leaders here. 
much more so compared to um, before I left the church, and then this fireside is canceled. Kind of a huge blow as I'm working with my stake president. It ended up turning into a, a wonderful kind of opportunity, at least for me. And I understand that there was a lot of people that were upset by it being canceled and hurt. And I don't want to invalidate their experiences or feelings. As a result of it, though, I was kind of filled with this fire for answers and many questions and just a passion for the answers that I needed and not even specific answers. I just wanted answers, whether they were good or bad answers, whether they were the answers I wanted, you know, I just wanted the truth. That's was what the I saw. Was, was it canceled? Like, did they give any explanation as to why it was canceled or did they just say it's canceled? There's been hearsay reasons. I, I believe that it was canceled, not because people don't want to hear about LGBTQ issues or any disrespect to the LGBTQ individuals, especially in the church. I, I think that it was canceled. It is like a tricky topic to kind of address from church leaders that I've met with. I've been told that, that it is a fine line between, especially in larger gatherings of talking about the doctrine of Christ and understanding the plan of salvation and Christ's love and advocacy and the advocacy kind of has to be on that line that the brethren higher up in the church don't want those frequencies to get off of advocating away from what is doctrinally taught i've been told that it would be preferred for these topics to be discussed in smaller groups and more personal and private settings, um, which I understand. So as a result of it getting canceled, I sought wherever I could find answers to the point I ended up meeting with um, via Zoom, a general authority for 70. And I ended up meeting with another 70 um, in person. Oh, well, two other 70s in person, but one in particular about this seeking answers in at this time were you kind of deciding if you wanted to get baptized again or fully come back was this kind of your way of investigating you know where what this looks like for you or where were you at in in terms of getting baptized again and coming back officially had already like felt like that's what i need to do was was to get baptized i had already received countless spiritual experiences and such and and had addressed that with my with my church leaders and started meeting with my stake president quite regularly with the goal of being baptized i think we had already kind of discussed when and kind of a, a waiting period or a, a process period to that date when when this fireside got canceled as a result, I ended up reaching out to the the gentleman that was going to host the fireside. Ended up establishing kind of a rapport with with him and getting the answers that 
some of them weren't the ones I wanted, but they were the ones that I that I needed. I just wanted truth and clarity, and I was willing to accept that in any form. I ended up making connections and that I, I don't think would have otherwise been made. I would have, if the I told the individual um, that was going to host the fireside as well as others that had everything gone as planned, I would have attended. I wouldn't have sat in the front, but I wouldn't have sat in the back. I would have just sat in the middle and taken my notes and told myself that was a good fireside and gone about my about my day and about my life. And I would have looked back on it um, periodically, but I, I don't think it would have had like a profound life altering effect. And I most certainly would have never reached out to the the speaker. I would have told myself that he's too busy. He's got people to talk to. Um, he doesn't want to hear from me. I'm just, you know, one out of many. As a result of it getting canceled, I, I did reach out to him, not expecting him to have the time or ability to to read my message, but he did invited me to visit him and I was able to establish a connection with him and down the line many others and and I'm grateful for that I don't think that these things happen necessarily because the fireside was canceled I think they happen because of the way I handled something happening I think that that's important to to recognize with anything in our lives that that things are going to continue happening, good, bad, in our lives. I, I don't think it was because of X on X day got canceled. I think it was because I experienced something and I was bound determined to get the answers I wanted no matter what and no matter how long it took. I wasn't afraid of contacting people that before I would have felt were too important or prominent or busy for me. I was willing to go as as high up as I needed to go to feel comfortable returning to the church, dedicating my life. If I had any doubts of, oh, you know, you you're rattling the cage. Can't you just settle? Can't you just put this on the, you know, put this on the shelf? Don't ask questions. I would just tell myself, this is your salvation that we're talking about. This is everything. So if this is what you need, this is what you need and you got to own it. And that's kind of what I did. I ended up having all these just experiences, a really profound one. One of the most profound for me was we were having state conference here in here in Kansas City and a, a 70 ended up visiting myself in my home and I thought oh well he's you know I'm probably one of 20 stops or something but he said that the whole the weekend that he was there he was going to two homes and mine was one of them and and I asked him to to kind of bless my home and, and dedicate it I, I'd never had my home dedicated and it was it was very spiritual and and just certain verbiage and words used kind of just pointed that my home was being kind of dedicated to the Lord. And it was just a very spiritual experience when I thought that my day that weekend couldn't get any on a higher level of feeling Christ's love and 
feeling important to him. My old stake president that I've stayed in contact with from before my mission messaged me that an apostle was visiting our small 12,000 person cattle town in the middle of nowhere, um, Missouri, four hours from the nearest airport. And he was going to be there in the morning giving an address. And this, this is no longer my stake, but I pretty much told them that I was, I was working to get rebaptized. And I was at this point super exhausted, but just felt like this very audible, I guess the spirit telling me out loud that I needed to go. Like it, it shook me. So I, I drove through the night and got there at like five in the morning after being up 24 hours. While I was driving, I, I ended up messaging the, the the church leadership down in my hometown, not expecting anyone to ever read it, especially not read it in time. I just pretty much summed up that I left the church. I experienced a, a lot of trauma but was coming back to the church and I'd heard that this apostle was coming down and I ended up getting to the chapel. There were several speakers um, ahead of him, but eventually he, he got up and spoke about something that I've never heard spoken about at a pulpit in general conference, honestly, not even in discussions until recent months. And that was, he spoke about um, the restoration of blessings. Wow. I, I had never heard of such a thing. I had served a mission. I, had, I was a convert. I dove extremely deep into deep doctrine, both pro and anti over the years. And I had never, at least in my memory, never come across something about restoration of blessings. When I started coming back to church, I thought, okay, we're just going to do everything all over again. I'm going to get rebaptized i'm gonna get reconfirmed you know a couple weeks later i'm gonna get the priesthood again and then i'm gonna go get a limited temple recommend and then i'll get my endowments again and like we're just gonna do everything again then i was told no there's this thing called the restoration of blessings you get baptized and confirmed but then after a year or more then you get everything all at once in one prayer and so this apostle got up and he prefaced to everyone. He said, most of you have probably never heard of such a thing, but one of the the powers or responsibilities that brings me the most joy is this thing called the restoration of blessings. And he turned around. And at this point, I am sobbing. I am bawling. I'm sitting on like the second row directly aligned with this apostle so he gets up and starts talking about restoration of blessings i feel like he's looking at me most of his talk and he he just talks about how that's one of the greatest joys and privileges or powers or responsibilities that he has as an apostle he said something along the lines of the that they're rare i'm just overwhelmed by by the spirit and i'm i'm sobbing people are looking at me like this guy needs to get together like what is going on like 
we don't even know what is being spoken about. At that moment, I felt, I felt important to the Savior. I didn't feel like I was one person out of eight billion on the planet today, or I didn't feel like one in this endless sea of people. I felt, I felt Christ knew me by name. And you hear stories about, oh God, sometimes send somebody for this one person. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But this was happening to me. It was just so powerful. I met him and then he ended up having to catch a flight quickly, uh, or drive four hours to the nearest airport and catch a flight. But after he left, I was told that 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 wasn't his intended talk that he had i guess changed it or something i had reached out to the stake presidency in the middle of the night and and someone had read it i asked them to kind of pass it along to him um my situation that i was trying to get baptized and receive my restoration of blessings and and then this all happened I just remember feeling so overwhelmed by by the love of the Savior, and I felt like that sustained me. I ended up traveling out to Utah, where my where my good friend Michael lives, and I was baptized a couple of weeks later on June tenth of this year, twenty twenty three. There was only a couple of us there. I wanted to, to keep it small. I didn't want it to turn into an event. I knew if the more people I invited, the more I would feel like I needed to host or greet everyone. Um, so there's no plan. There was no program. I said all the prayers. I said the opening, <laughs> resting, and intermediate, and closing prayers. And it was the most beautiful day ever. And, and I'm grateful for it. I feel so sustained by God's love and I feel called by him to do something a, a couple of things that are in the works and projects but I feel like he's he has something big planned for me to to help him and I just hope that I can and help as many of his children in most positive way I I can just as a disciple and all I know is where I'm at now. I, I don't know where I'm going to be five years from now. I'm not really telling people where I'm going to, you know, where I'm going to be at along this journey. I feel for the first time in my spiritual journey, I I feel completely connected to the Savior and I don't feel pressured by people and I'm just kind of doing it my way the best I can. I love that so much. I think that, I don't know, it's interesting how a lot of times, okay, this might be really silly, but there is this Taylor Swift lyric. Okay. I was just at the Taylor Swift concert in Kansas city with Kylie and Megan okay. Well, it's meant to be that I bring this up. I am going to okay. take a concert on Monday, by the way. There is a Taylor Swift lyric that says, 
I always thought love would be black and white, but it's golden. And I cannot tell you how many times I have thought about this lyric relating to the gospel where I always thought that it was black and white. You're good or you're bad. You're in or you're out. And I'm like, well, I'm not good, so I must be bad. Right. Exactly. And I don't belong. You know, full transparency. Come follow me with my family is a major struggle. I know I want to do it. I buy these things to can't do it all. I just and I'm like, oh my gosh, I why is come follow me so hard for me? My point here is that the gospel isn't black and white. It's golden. It's golden. It's golden. And it's it's so beautiful when we come to that understanding of it's almost like you reach a new understanding of the gospel in this way. And it's not about just everything being good or bad. It's about finding that true joy in the gospel and you're giving it your all. I am doing my best. And yes, I am not great at come follow me. (laughs) I am not, but I experience such joy from living the gospel and I experience beautiful, inspiring spiritual experiences in my life that are golden, you know? And so anyway, I, that's just what it reminded me of when you said that it's like, I don't know all the answers. Like, where am I going to end up? I don't know. Being an LGBTQ member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there is a lot of unknowns in that. And uncharted territory. Yes. yes. And to add to the golden light, I uh, recently, I I keep on saying that like, you know, white light or, or golden sunlight refracted is a rainbow. It is every color. I, someone made a comment. Um, I think they were church. I assume they were church members uh, because of the setting they said, well, I don't understand the rainbow flag, people having the rainbow flag. And I, and I, just completely without any thought, I I said to them, I said, some of that color is for you. The rainbow flag is everyone. It's not if you're LGBTQ, like one of those colors is for you, was fought for you. White light or golden sunlight is everything, is, is all the colors. That is so good. I think that it is so beautiful to see you decide to come back to church with you you know you're not you are choosing it because you've had these experiences that you can't deny and even though it is uncharted territory you are just you're going ahead and you're you're living in that golden light and I just I love it and this is this is the last place I thought I would I would be in 2022 less than a year ago and and I've had friends both inside and outside the church. They're like, we we had bets that if so if so and so came back to the church, you were the last person on our list. <laughs> like we weren't even going to mention this because you were never coming back to the church because that was my that was my story. I I was so hurt and I was so I had so much pain. But I've had so much healing lately, and a lot of that healing has been actually from, and I understand this this can 
resurfaced trauma, but I have I've reached out to some of these church leaders from my mission. I have reached out to some of these missionaries and companions from my mission and and told them where I'm at and and on some of them called them out and said, you know, this is what happened. My mirror was crystal clear and you caused a crack in it and you were the first crack or the second crack in my window or my mirror of faith. That's been a huge healing opportunity for me. Most of them have been receptive. Some of them have not, but I still have peace um, with that. But yeah, I, I would have never guessed I would have ever come back to the church. Um, In regards to that, what you were saying about, you know, reaching out to these people, I think that a lot of people are very, like, they just completely do not understand the LGBTQ community. They don't understand what they're, what they have gone through. And, you know, one of the things that really opened my eyes was Papa Osler's podcast, which is you were just on. And it's funny because I was just on it too. So we were both like I know. to each other, which is funny. I know. So I, I enjoyed your podcast. I want to go back and listen to it again. I know. I need to listen to yours. I just realized that what I thought I knew about the LGBTQ community and especially in regards to the church, like what I thought I knew is so far from what actually their experience is. And I think that a lot of times people, they make comments and they think they know and they share maybe advice for, but they, they really have no, they have no, and I think by you saying something, even though for them, it's probably really hard to hear. I think that it really can help. It can be a learning moment for them, you know, like, Hey, this is my experience. And I'm just one voice. Like I only know my own experience and I'm still, I'm still learning about other experiences. Like I, I would be doing a disservice if I thought that I could speak for the entire LGBTQ population. I definitely have still a lot to learn myself of what others experience and faith and face um, both the good and the bad. But throughout this this journey from 2010 um, when I when I first joined the church until now, 13 years later. If I've learned anything is that the Christ is nothing but love. If there was, and I said this in a talk recently, if there is this element we haven't found in the universe that we're transfigured to in the twinkling of an eye called love, then that is the, that is the element that Christ is completely composed of. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I've learned. And secondly is people make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes and sometimes very big mistakes. Myself, I don't feel like what pulled me away from the church was me experiencing, you know, one lay church member making this comment or that comment or this dig or that dig. It was on a stake presidency 70 
apostle prophetic level that I felt hurt and I felt ostracized and unwelcome. And since some of those things have been remedied by policy changes and this and that, I've I've come to realize that that even the people at the very top, they're still mortal. They still make mistakes. They are still very much shaped by their upbringing and their time and the culture of their generation as much as they try to remove themselves from the world they are still from the 40s and the 50 yeah. like the 30s and the yeah. 40s and the 50s it's, and there's literally this has been a theme kind of on the podcast lately and it's funny because my mom she listened to the episode that we just did Landon and he brought mm. this up about how the apostles that what they are human yeah it is god working through humans and my mom mentioned she's like look at the men of the bible they did some wild things and you know what i mean and god still works through them and that's been kind of a common theme on the podcast lately and i'm glad you brought it up because i think that is something that a lot of people struggle with and they need to remember i think that some of the people that i look up to the most that are some of the most spiritual people i know in my life i'll hear them make comments about like why people leave the church and things like that and like after doing this podcast i have a very like i've heard many many stories of why people have left the church and i'm like thinking okay that is not like they don't leave the church just because they want to drink coffee and alcohol like that's not that's not it you know and so having the understanding of why people leave people are just you're right they are they are shaped by their upbringing they are shaped by their experiences and if if they don't have those experiences then they don't know that applies to to anything in life and and still for those of us from our generation that were completely shaped by as much as we try to, you know, align ourselves with the Savior and kind of transcend our time or our culture, we are still products of our upbringing. And changes have happened over the years. And I've come to realize that that Zion isn't, it isn't sameness, but it is the embracing of death diversity and and people having different experiences and different backgrounds and some harder than others but all coming together to expand this this tent that we call home but but we we do need to expand the tent of zion and i say not only for people to for everyone for there to be room for everyone but for there to be room for everyone to breathe that everyone needs to have space to breathe and grow and thrive i hope that i can play a small part in that but i i'm grateful for those that have have supported me and and also those that have gone before me that have made this possible i feel like when when individuals think oh how could someone leave the church you don't have the full story and right. and and sometimes 
even with us looking back on our lives, like I, I said a prayer before we got on this this podcast, that I don't even know my full story. Like the only person that knows everything, the inner workings and the back of the stage is, is God. I love that so much. I've gotten a couple emails from people that were kind of upset with me and they said, you know, it seems like you're saying that you have to leave in order to really have a super great testimony or whatever. And I don't think that's true. I think that you clearly went through a lot of anguish and you went through a lot of pain. And the beautiful thing is that God can work all things to the good of those who love him. And so you did have to go through so much, you know, to the point of you, you know, asking yourself, like, do I leave the church or do I end my life? And that is an extremely hard thing to go through. And I think that, no, we're not saying you have to leave in order to, you know, gain a really strong testimony. But what we are saying is that if you have left and you're going through something really hard, that God can work that to the good if you let him. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like I left the church. I definitely don't feel like I left God or that God or the savior left me. In some aspects, and sometimes I'll say, I didn't leave the church. Aspects of the church left me. I wasn't the one that did X, Y, Z. I wasn't the one that, you know, discriminated or harassed or assaulted or abused or this or that. That was done to me. The church let me down. The church didn't, at least at that time both on a local level and on a global level did not foster a, an atmosphere or environment for me to feel like I was welcome. I don't feel like I left Christ. I did have periods of times of, of doubting whether there was a God or a deity, but when I would have spiritual experiences and remember the savior, those doubts would fade away. I definitely, yeah, I don't think that people need to leave the church to find God, but we we know we haven't reached Zion yet when people feel like they need to. I've heard wonderful stories from church members and wards that in various parts of the country, one that comes to mind outside of Washington, D.C., that any walk of life or any family dynamic or structure feels like they can come to church and whether they're married to someone of the same gender or single, a single parent, or they're single and they're, they're trying to adopt or surrogate or whatever, like for them in at least some of these wards that I've heard about, it's a no brainer for them to stay in the church. That's their community. And that's where they feel the most welcome. We all need to foster that in our, our own areas and in our own stakes. So when people are going through events in life, as everyone does, instead of them questioning themselves and thinking it's a no-brainer to leave the church, that they feel like it's a no-brainer to stay in. Ah, oh, I love that so much. That is so good. We haven't reached that yet, but we keep on trying and 
and it takes every last person to make themselves known and to and if they don't understand something uh, whether it's uh, you know lgbtq topics or other topics that they don't understand they have to educate themselves ask questions you're going to make mistakes you're going to ask dumb questions but it's okay we all ask dumb questions and we learn from them and that's the only way we can we can grow and and if you do love your brothers and sisters make yourself known especially to the youth that you are a safe place that they do have a place in zion free of judgment god is patient he's far more patient than we are he is patient enough to watch someone make a mess of their lives for decades after decades after decades but in the grand scheme of things he knows the plan and it's mastered someone leaving the church is not the end of the world if your child leaves the church and they are happy rejoice that they're alive Mm -hmm. and be patient for a latter day that is such a great way to wrap up our episode perfect just put a bow on everything we talked about do you have any final words of advice specifically for parents of lgbtq kids or anyone in the lgbtq community that feels like they're struggling because they don't feel like there's a place for them here what advice would you give to somebody in that situation i would say to parents show your love you saying oh my child knows i love them i don't need to show it is false they don't feel it if it's not being shown I've been extremely blessed that my my father has and my incredible stepmom and my family has shown me love. So I would say to parents, actively go out of your way and show your LGBTQ children that you love them. Be patient with them, whether they told you about their life 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or five minutes ago. They have been processing this for a long time. They are sharing it with you because they want you still on their path. You're better off loving them and listening to them. To LGBTQ individuals, I would say it's very hard to do so when there's so much noise around you, but focus on the love of the savior. I'm still figuring it out. I don't think anyone has the answers whether they've have a child that is going through an experience or if they're going through it themselves, but the savior is is it all. But love yourself and and be patient with yourself. That is so beautiful. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are so amazing. And I am just, I'm so glad that, you know, despite our technical difficulties earlier. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course.
Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.